0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: of scripture, but certainly 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14 are very, very important scriptures in our daily walk with the Lord. Chapter 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 13 talks about God's love and how important love is in all of our lives. Chapter 14 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. We need all of these at play, amen, we need all of these at play in our lives, This evening, I want to speak for a little while on the gifts of the Spirit, and uh, I pray that the hand of God will just touch our lives together as we consider his word. I've said many times in the last several services that no matter how old this book we call the Bible may be, it is as relevant today as it has ever been. It is alive, amen. This is not just a book documenting details of history, chronicling what has been, this is a living seed among us this evening. The book of 1 Corinthians 12, I'm gonna be doing a little bit more reading than I normally do, but if you'll just hang in there for the duration, I believe the Lord will bless us, amen. Chapter 12, verse number four, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gift of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Amen. God, help us tonight and bless your word to our heart. In Jesus' name. And you can be seated. Thank you for standing. God designed the gifts of the Spirit, I truly believe, to be the heartbeat of the church. This is not something for show and showmanship. Not something for just highlighted moments to underscore perhaps what is perceived by some the importance of men, but I believe that God designed the gifts of the Spirit to be the heartbeat of the church. I think the most effective manner of presenting the gospel, and I know there are many, many methods, and I'm not here to disqualify any of those, many methods of reaching the lost or presenting the gospel to the world, but I think the most effective manner of presenting the gospel is Is through the power of the Holy Ghost in operation in the church. Amen. We can have all kind of programs, and we have them and want to continue and improve on what we have, but what we truly need more than anything else is the operation of the Spirit of God in our midst. When we come together, let's just not have a convocation of people, but let's have church no matter what day or night or no matter what the title of the service may be, we need to have our very, very best foot forward because we have no idea the circumstances that may be presented in any given service and so I trust that some significant need doesn't catch us on an off night. (laughs) Amen, we need to be at our best and the spirit of the Lord needs to certainly be free to move in our midst. The church cannot survive long term just on, um, on, the, uh, on, on the strength of the power of programs or human abilities. We can survive a little while on that, but we can't survive long term. Obviously, a church needs financial support and a church needs people in physical attendance. Those are important things. It's not just helpful, that's necessary. But that will never take the place of the power of God in action. You can pack out stadiums, but if you don't have the Lord show up in your midst, then you're going to be in trouble. We need the spirit and the presence of God. The operation of the gifts are so vital to the health and the progress of a church. And so we need to let there be a format, a forum, an atmosphere where the spirit of the Lord can move. I've said many times, I understand the danger of wildfire. I truly understand that. But we can't be so afraid of wildfire that we put out all the fire. Amen. Amen. I believe that you can have a controlled burn. And so if you can control fire in that manner, we can certainly, the spirit of God and the word of God gives us a plain recipe and instruction for having, uh, having order and yet having the operation of the gifts of the spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12 and one, the scripture says, now concerning spiritual gifts, I would not have you ignorant. And so I think the best thing we can do is just talk about it and let the spirit of the Lord speak for itself. And so if the church in Paul's time needed to clear a clear understanding of the subject of spiritual gifts, I say how much more then do we need a clear understanding of this in the day that we live in? And so to better understand this, I want to divide these, uh, these nine gifts into three different categories, and so I'm not going to follow the same particular order of 1 Corinthians 12, uh, but I am going to talk about all nine of them. And uh, if we would consider the first three, they would be referred to by many as, as gifts of utterance, and, uh, or maybe some refer to these as of gifts of inspiration or gifts of communication. These three gifts in this group are prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. And so let's talk about that. First, we, we would consider the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is an, uh, it is a, a supernatural utterance in a known tongue, in an understandable language, but it is a supernatural utterance. It's divinely inspired, and it is a, an anointed utterance of the spirit, it has nothing to do with human power. It has nothing to do with human thought or human reasoning. Now, sometimes we we refer to preaching as an aspect of prophecy, and I certainly believe that is true, but I don't think that's what Paul is talking about when he's talking about the gift of prophecy. Amen. Still, I think even in, in an anointed message, the Spirit can operate in such a manner that the gift of prophecy can be exercised during the preaching of the word of God. Amen, I I don't want to sound conflicting there, but uh, I I think Paul is talking about two different things, although I think that can happen. I don't think just because you're preaching, you're prophesying, let me put it that way. The gift of prophecy is a miraculous thing. The prophecy does not necessarily mean to foretell something. And uh, many times, if we're not careful, we will get caught up in following signs and wonders and uh, things of that nature. And And I'm telling you this evening from my heart that good people, honest and honorable people can get caught in this vice. And if there's signs and miracles and wonders going on, people will drive all over the country and all over the world. But the scripture said that signs should be following us, not us following signs. Amen. So we need to be very careful that we don't get caught up in trying to find somebody to give us a word. What we just need to do is connect ourselves to a local church and in that church let there be in operation what I'm talking about here tonight and that will feed the sheep, that will put a firm foundation, a substantial footing under the heart of every individual, therefore affecting every family, therefore affecting the solidarity of the church. And so let us have church. Obviously, I would think, I hope that, you know, I'm not speaking about going off to other meetings and things of that nature. We promote promote that to the nth degree. But I'm saying that we shouldn't get caught up in that vortex. I'm speaking to people that I think you understand what I'm saying. Prophecy doesn't necessarily mean just foretelling. It can also be to speak on behalf of another person or to speak on behalf of God. I've wrestled in my mind I've shared this from this pulpit only uh, once I think I've shared it from any pulpit very very limited number of times because I don't want to be misunderstood and it would be hard for me in just a matter of seconds to take you to the gravity of the situation that I want to refer to but when I speak about the spirit of prophecy being to speak on behalf of another or to speak on behalf of God I I mean that very sincerely. I was associated with a situation many, many years ago where a man had utterly failed the Lord and just could not forgive himself and uh, he just couldn't get past this moment. It was a severe mistake. It was more than just stepping out of line a little bit and uh, I, I will give him that, but he just was not, could not allow himself to forgive himself. And I remember being in a conference and uh, he was in that conference and the Spirit of the Lord was moving in a very, very specific and powerful way and I just felt led. I never go back and ask anybody to come down and pray unless I feel prompted to do that and I felt prompted to ask him to come down and he came down and there was a man that was a mutual friend but who knew nothing about um, this individual who knew he knew nothing about the circumstances that was going on in his life and as he began to pray for him, I felt an absolute uh, forgive me for using the worn out word, but supernatural presence of the Lord manifest itself and as he began to pray for him, he spoke to him, he said the, these words, he said, in Christ's stead forgive I thee. I when I say that, When I utter those words, it takes me back to that moment. I can appreciate the fact that you may not be impacted as I was, and I'm not dare suggesting that one man can forgive another man, but I believe it was a word of prophecy, amen. It was an affirmation that the Spirit of God was speaking through another man in Christ's stead, forgive I thee, so I think that that man was prophesying. It's it's very, very important to clearly establish Uh, that the word of God is complete. So uh, I think that we have to be very careful that we don't add to, that we don't take away or that we don't contradict the word of God. Amen. therefore, humankind certainly uh, does not have the the power to use the gift of prophecy to add something to scripture or to take something away from scripture or or, or anything of that nature. But I, I do believe that it is a valid gift and that it should be in operation in our midst today. It should be in operation. The Bible talks about the gifts of diverse kinds of tongues. I'm just gonna insert this. I'm gonna use a lot of personal illustrations tonight. I hope you're comfortable with that. Amen, Uh, the use of, of diverse kinds of tongues. There are at least five purposes for speaking in tongues that we find in scripture. One of them is to show the initial evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost. Another is to speak supernaturally to God. Another would be to magnify God. Another would be to edify or to build up yourself spiritually and that imbalance is not wrong. Or uh, finally, another one would be to be assigned to an unbeliever. And so I want to just look right now at the last of these since we're focusing on the gifts of the Spirit this evening. Let's talk about the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is a message to the church. is, is only useful when it is complemented and fulfilled by the interpretation of that message. According to Paul's instructions, those that are manifesting the gift of this of that, that particular gift should keep silent if there's no one there present to give the interpretation of that message. And so everything that Paul's talking about here, he gives with that a divine order. And so there is an order. And I, I understand that we're living in an hour where much of this is taken out of context, and so some have gone to either side of the ditch. Some have taken this to the, to the point of just being silly and others have abolished it altogether. I say, for God and heaven's sake, let us find the middle of the road and get a hold of this and put this in operation in the church today. Amen, and so Paul gave clear instructions. If there were three messages in tongues, the scripture says specifically, and there's no one there to interpret, then that person should keep silent, and we should move on. It's not the end of the world, not the end of the day. Amen, there, there have been many times in this church there have been messages going forth and no interpretation and people came to me after the service and said, I had the interpretation but my faith failed me and given the interpretation and you know what? God has given this divine treasure but he's put it in an earthen vessel and so I don't think that that's gonna be a forever charge on their record. I think that we learn and grow through those things because that same thing has happened to me. Amen. The Bible talks about diverse kinds of tongues. The gift of diverse tongues is a supernatural utterance by the Holy Ghost in languages that have never been learned by those that are doing the speaking. These are words not understood in the heart or the mind of that individual that's doing the speaking and most, maybe not always, but in most instances, not even understood by the hearer. It has nothing to do with linguistic ability, it has nothing to do with uh, the human mind or the intellect of that individual. It's not a language that, that that person has studied or learned in a classroom. However, there have been times, I have heard of more than one occasion of this, even among our own fellowship, where there have been someone in a in a meeting that was speaking in, in divers tongues, that was speaking in a language unknown to them, And there was someone visiting in that service on multiple occasions from another country that spoke that language that understood every word that that person was saying. Amen, so here is my my take from that is that God has a way of getting his message to whosoever he needs to get that to. Amen, what more clear and concise way than for the Lord to speak in someone's very own language to them. And so I, I know that those occasions are true. I have confidence in the people that have shared those stories with me. Amen. So I'm going to put my trust in that. The, the gift of the interpretation of tongues. The, again, the only purpose of the gift of interpretation of tongues is to complement the gift of tongues. The interpretation of an unknown tongue is is uh, is, again, a, a supernatural act. It's as much supernatural as the person giving the message in tongues. In both cases, it is the will of man acquiescing to the spirit and the will of God. It is God divinely using human flesh. I think it's good to note that there is a difference between an interpretation of something and a translation of something. Sometimes a message in tongues is maybe short, but the interpretation is long or vice versa. Translation implies that there is a phrase for phrase or a word for word exchange, but interpretation just simply means to give understanding, and so we shouldn't be thrown off balance by that, that that someone would give a message in tongues and someone would interpret that to give understanding to what the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to the church. I understand there are many camps where this has been abused, and because of that, it has been somewhat discarded but i'm going to tell you that there is nothing any more valid than tongues and interpretation. Amen some uh, time ago earlier uh, earlier this year, as a matter of fact i don't want to get into the whole story but earlier this year, uh, I had offered to fill in for a a pastor who was having some uh, going through some health issues and uh and so I just told them, if you, I just sent word through their associate pastor that if you ever need me, uh, you just let me know. I, I don't have preacher's itch. I don't think I've ever had that, although I love to preach and enjoy doing what I do, but I wasn't looking for somewhere else to go. I have a pulpit to preach in. And uh, somehow, something got lost in interpretation, and uh, the pastor understood that the Lord had given me a word specifically for their church. And so he called me and he said, I understand that the Lord has given you something for our church and we'd like to know if you can come on such and such a date. And just something checked me in my spirit. I almost corrected him. I almost said, well, you know, I think something's been misunderstood here. And I just, I just, something checked me in my spirit. And I just said, um, uh, I just said yes that date will be fine and I told my wife about what happened and I told her I said you know I was scared to say that I don't have a word because what if the Lord does give me a word? So I just went on foolish faith <laughs> and uh, and even in the course of his introduction in the course of him bringing me to the pulpit I felt somewhat hypocritical because he was saying that he—he's just the Lord has given him a word, and so I said, "Lord, you can give me that word between here and there." And if you're going to do it, I'd appreciate you hurrying up because I'm running—I'm running out of time. And there's look like a million eyeballs right now that are just staring back at me. And so I just preached what the Lord laid on my heart. I was looking—you know—I'm I'm just human. I was. I was looking for something. I didn't feel anything outside of what I felt God had laid on my heart. But you know what? That felt much like what happened to me this afternoon about tonight. It felt very normal, very natural. And uh I just I was just kind of going through doing doing what you do. I hope my honesty's not too much for you now. And so as I began to preach, I was just waiting for something to happen, but you know, nothing was happening. I was just preaching, it was just a message, and people responding, okay, but it was just another night. And whenever I said the last thing that I had to say, I'm being as honest as I know how to be, when I said the last thing that I was saying that night that I felt my heart to say when I spoke the last word, Amen. Popped up and just spoke, just gave a message in tongues as powerful and as strong and as anointed as I have ever heard. He had scarcely stopped speaking when someone behind them stood up and interpreted the word. And I just say, To God be the glory. I had nothing to do with that except just being a willing vessel to be in that place. So don't ever discount the power of tongues and interpretation. The Lord was only using me as a vessel to get to that moment, amen. That was what he wanted to say, not necessarily what I had to say. Does that make sense? Amen, so I, the Lord just used me as a catalyst to get to that point, and so we just need to be very careful that we don't underestimate the value of that, and so to interpret something that gives, gives understanding. And we talk about the revelation gifts. The gifts of the Spirit in this group are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. The word of wisdom, this gift is, is again supernatural and it has a divine purpose. It's a tragic mistake to ever ever relate uh, the, a word of wisdom to just human wisdom because God has the ability to step into our world at a very significant moment in time to give us the exact word that we need from the Lord For that moment any wisdom obtained by study or natural ability is not the operation of the gift of wisdom, amen, thank God for wise people that walk among us but that's not what I'm talking about God keeps everything before him, all the facts of time, all the facts of life all the facts of eternity amen, that has always been and it will always be God knows it all And from time to time, he just supernaturally reaches down and he places that wisdom in the mouth of a man or a woman for an occasion. There's no situation that has ever been a puzzle or perplexing to God. And we ought to take great solace in that. There is no situation that has ever left God saying, I wonder what I'm going to do about this or I wonder how I'm going to fix this because all of time and eternity and the circumstances of life, are in the hands of God, in the mind of God. He knows exactly what to do on any given situation. And so then there are times when God just supernaturally imparts to us an answer for a problem. Amen. I'm, I'm speaking to people tonight that whether you know it or not, you've been used in the gift of wisdom. Amen. That you were perplexed by a situation or a circumstance and God just imparted to you, Maybe the maybe the thunder didn't clap and, and, and the the sky didn't grow dark and there was no lightning, but the Lord still imparted something to you. He gives us divine guidance relative to that situation that we could not possibly have handled that in any other fashion. Amen. That is the gift of the word of wisdom. Again, I'm using an illustration that I've used in times past some here have not heard this, if you've heard it it's just as good the second or the sixth time as it is the first time, but many years ago a great friend of mine who's now gone on to meet his reward uh, pastored a large church in the north and uh, one Sunday night after they got home from church there was a man in their church that attended their church that was not mentally stable and uh, he called the pastor after church and asked him if he would meet him at the church, he said I need to meet with you and talk to you and and uh, you, he said, "You never have time for me, and I just really need you to make some time for me." And uh, so the pastor, <clears throat> the pastor uh, agreed to meet him at the church, but something in his spirit just checked him that everything wasn't just right. And so they went to the church. He called his son, who was his associate pastor, asked him to meet him there, just feeling that something was a little bit out of kilter. As I mentioned, it was a church in the north. This was in the winter time. And so this man came uh, into the driveway. was was wearing a a, a trench coat, a big over overcoat, and uh, would, which would not have been out of place. And um, they were waiting for him in the foyer. And so when they he walked up to the church, uh, Brother Sizemore, Senior Elder Brother Sizemore, opened the door of the church and put his foot in the door and just held it there, and just stopped the man. And he said. Asked him, he said, Are you going to do, you're not about to do anything dangerous, are you? And this man opened up his overcoat and he had strapped himself with dynamite. And then he pulled two wires out and he said, I just want to end it all. And uh, there's life is not worth living. And, and uh, he was just at the end of his rope and he said, All I have to do is just touch these two wires together and I'm just going to end it all. And at that moment, Brother Sizemore, uh, who told me this story personally, he said I felt like the Lord gave me a word of wisdom now you gotta understand this man was a little bit mentally deranged to begin with and so he just kinda got on his level and he said called him by name and he said now if you touch those two pieces of wire together he said you're gonna blow the whole front of this church off and he said if you do that he said all the men in this church are gonna have to come down here Saturday on their only day off and rebuild the front of this church. He said, No, you don't want these men to have to come down here on their only day off, do you? And somehow that related to his simple mind. And he did not want to put all of those men out on a Saturday. And so he said, If you're going to touch those two wires, he said, You need to go way on out there in that parking lot. <laughs> I'm just telling you what he told me. <laughs> he said, You need to go way. Way out there in that parking lot. And if that's what you're going to do, you need to do that way out there so you don't damage the front of the church. And so this man, hey, I mean, that's thinking on your feet. That's that's the spirit of the Lord moving. And so this man went out and in a moment of frustration took this belt off and slung it back toward the front door. And Brother Sizemore said it slid all the way up to the front door where he was standing. They got the man, prayed with him, and... Ever how they handled the rest of that situation. This got the sights up of some of the men in the church and one of the men who was a maintenance man of the church came down and they walked out, took the caps, if you know anything about dynamite, took the caps off of the dynamite and took those caps over to the one of the church buses and they did ignite those and it was a real deal. All he had to do was touch those and it would have all been over. I'm talking about a word of wisdom. The choir wasn't singing. The organ wasn't playing. Nobody was swaying to the music. It was a divine utterance of how to handle this situation. If you had overreacted, it may have been a completely different outcome, and those men could have all lost their lives that day. And so I'm thankful for the gift of this operation. I'm I'm sure that's not how we think about it being packaged, but it's a word of wisdom. There is a word of knowledge, the revelation of the Holy Ghost of a certain facts in the mind of God, and God manifests that through mankind through a word of knowledge. God knows everything, as I mentioned a moment ago. He has all knowledge. So through this gift, God imparts just a snippet, if I may say, of knowledge that we need for that moment. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not the gift of knowledge, but it's the gift of the word of knowledge. Okay, stay with me here for just a moment. God has all knowledge, and so he doesn't just impart to us all knowledge, he just gives us a word of knowledge, just a word relative again to that situation or that moment, just a fragment of his knowledge to meet perhaps a specific need, this is not knowledge that can be learned, this is not something you can get from a book from so many hours of study, But it's not a morsel of news that somebody else has imparted to us. It is divinely granted that God would just give us an instantaneous word that we need at that moment that was otherwise and up until that moment hidden from us. I was dealing with a situation a number of years ago and uh, I was struggling with whether or not this individual that I was dealing with was being honest with me and being forthright. And, and, um, and so I was riding down the interstate, and I was riding down the interstate in the city where this man lived at that time. And um, while I was riding down the road, I don't want you to think anything goofy or spooky here, but I'm just being honest with you. I was riding down the interstate. I could take you in just about an hour and a half to the exact spot where this happened. I was riding down the road and just as an image would pass before my eyes just like my hand did at about that same speed, I saw an image of this man. And in that image of that man, God revealed to me some things that were hidden in this man's life. It was just an, Im- just an image from one side to the other, and it went away. Again, the, s- the sky didn't grow dark. There was no thunder, no lightning, no-, no anything. It was just an image that I sometimes think back that if I had just been distracted for just a moment, I wonder if that would have even happened. But just in that moment, and I decided at that moment that I needed to drive to where I knew that man was working. Because I wanted to confirm if what I just saw was really true. And when I drove up to his job where he was working, I saw the exact same image that God had shown me. It's not too much for you, is it? I needed to know something. There were there was a lot on the line. I needed some knowledge here. So God didn't just open heaven and open my... And just pour all of heaven's knowledge there. But he just said, I'm going to let you see something. I'm going to let you see something. And so often these gifts come silently. They may come while you're in prayer or in meditation. I think that came to me while I was in meditation, just a moment of quietness with the Lord. The gifts of the word of wisdom and the gift of the word of knowledge operated through Simon Peter when he was on the housetop praying. First of all, God revealed to Peter through the gift of the word of knowledge that three men were seeking him. The Bible says in Acts 10 and 19, while Peter thought on the vision, the spirit said unto him, behold, three men seek thee. Then the instruction of the next verse was the operation of the gift of the word of wisdom, amen, of what to do. The Bible said in the verse 20, arise therefore and get thee down and go with them doubting nothing for I have sent them. I believe that God still speaks and I believe that God has men and women that still hear his voice. Amen. And so Simon Peter was thinking and the spirit of the Lord revealed to him that there's someone seeking you Amen, and then the Lord gave him instructions as to what to do. When they get there, then I'm, here's what you do, and, and you go with them. This is very similar to things that have happened in the lives of other people. One that comes to mind just instantly for me is Saul in the Old Testament. Saul was looking for a stray donkey of his father's. And while he was out here looking for a stray animal, the, the the man of God came to him and said, here are some things that are going to happen to you. You're going to meet some people. They're going to be carrying these items. You're going you're to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to do the other. And I'm in the scripture now, in it? Amen. And so Saul is standing there. He's just a common man. He's just a man just like you and I. He's just made out of the same fabric, cut from the same bolt of cloth as you and I. And the scripture says that as he turned and walked away that he became another man. Amen. I mean, I think faith was born in him when he turned and embraced that word and as he went on his way, everything that Samuel said was going to happen happened in his life exactly as it said it was going to happen and it happened in quick and succinct fashion. Amen, so I think the Lord can move. If he moved then, he can certainly move now. I'm thankful for that. Both the knowledge that could have been known by no other way than by the Spirit, as well as what we do with that knowledge, wisdom, were supernaturally given to, Simon Peter in this case, are given to us in instances, and I'm thankful, I am very, very thankful for those gifts in operation and available for us today. God will not have an anemic church this is not going to be an anemic bride that is raptured amen into heaven absolutely not but god is going to have a church triumphant and a bride without spot or wrinkle we are not going to be uh we are not going to be some <laughs> I don't even know what to say here, but we're, we're, I know what to say, but I'm scared to say it, but we're not going to be this bride bumbling her way down the, down the aisle, but we're going to be a very confident, a very prepared church. And so what we need to be on that day is the same that we need to be on this day. If God is going to rapture a triumphant church, we need to be a triumphant church right now. Amen. We need to be a healthy church right now. What's healthy will grow. Amen. If something is healthy, it will grow. And so we need these gifts in operation in our midst. Let's talk about the discerning of spirits. The gift is not the gift of discernment, as maybe some people may think, but it's a supernatural insight into the spirit world. I'm scaring some people to death and I'm giving other people a license to kill. (laughs) Amen, God help us all to just bring this back to center. Amen, don't go out and do nothing goofy tonight or tomorrow. As a matter of fact, just don't go out and do nothing goofy, period. Amen, it's it's an insight into the spirit world. There is a spirit world. By its operation, a person can know the true source or the true nature of some supernatural manifestation. In other words, whether we can know the difference between whether something is divine or demonic. I've been in church before when the devil talked. Oh, yes. He's not afraid to come to church. He's not afraid to speak out in church. Amen. And so we need the discerning of spirits to know what 's going on, to know what 's right, I mean there 's supernatural satanic manifestations, yes, there are, and so we need the discerning of spirits it 's not uh, that is not the revelation of somebody 's thought or their heart or their spirits, things of that nature but but we we if those things are revealed at all, it would be revealed by the operation of the word of knowledge, but by the gift of the discerning of spirits, Paul was able to discern. The evil spirits in Elimus, the sorcerer, in Acts chapter 13. He also discerned the evil spirit in the woman at Philippi in Acts chapter 16. And so we need to be able to have that discernment of spirits. Whether something is right, someone is right, someone is true. Because anybody can rent a costume. We need to have the discernment of spirits to know what is right. I remember being in a church service one time. I was, I was I was a really young man and uh and uh some somebody supposedly gave a message in tongues and the man behind the pulpit was an evangelist, a very bold <laughs> evangelist and he just said, "Well, now listen at the devil talk." Some of you guys have missed out on so much, so much. You're poor, pitiful souls. And according to scripture, seducing spirits, lying spirits are responsible for doctrines of devils and damnable heresies. There can be seductive spirits, lying spirits, and so we need to have the discernment of spirits to know what's right and what's and what's wrong and so apart from the gift of discerning of spirits, it would be it, it, apart from that, it would be very possible to be deceived and Can I tell you many people are yes. many people are deceived yes. it's It's never wise to conclude that one gift is greater than another or lesser than another because in God's program, everything he does is important. however, the gift of discerning of spirits is truly something that we great, greatly, greatly need in this hour to be able to, to discern. There's a lot of voices in this world. There's a lot of voices in this world. You know, some of you in this in this particular building tonight, in this particular city, remember the day when there were only just four, three, four, five TV channels. And now there are, I don't even know how many. Probably hundreds and hundreds. You you probably remember when, in certain areas, and this being one of them, that you could only just get a handful of stations. I remember when I was a young man growing out here, growing up out here. At night, after a certain time at night, you could only get just one channel. It was some some channel way up in Charlotte, North Carolina. You could just barely had to kind of lean on one left your left foot just to get the, just to get that. There weren't as many things competing. The atmosphere wasn't as charged then as it is today. But you can scarcely dial your radio any direction without picking up something now. And in like fashion, so it is. I'm not suggesting that there's ever been a time that the enemy wasn't at work, but oh, how he's at work today. And there are competing voices for our time and our attention and for our for our families and for our youth, and so that's why we need to be talking about these things tonight. We need to have the discerning of spirits. It's very important. Again, I don't want to put one or the other, but we certainly need the discerning of spirits because we're engaged in a spiritual battle. The remaining gifts that I want to talk about this evening, and I will I will hurry, um, is are what some may refer to as power gifts. So let's talk about the gift of faith. The gift of faith is, is a... Uh, a supernatural endowment of faith in a moment of time for a particular circumstance or maybe to accomplish something. A description of the gift of faith would be strong faith, maybe stronger than what would normally be uh, your level of faith in a specific crisis or an opportunity. And so it's a situation that would kind of take us beyond the realm of where we normally live or dwell as far as faith is concerned. Many of us have heard uh, Brother Bobby Gibson. I think he shared it not too many services ago or, or maybe we were talking about that in a private setting, but Brother Bobby Gibson was a few years ago at a McDonald's and when he was standing there placing his order, the lady that was taking his order uh, passed out. She was having a heart attack. They later found out and uh, Brother Bobby Gibson just jumped over the counter And uh, they were saying, you can't come back here. And he said, I'm a preacher and I'm going to pray. And he laid hands on her and began to pray for her. And uh, she was raised up and and, and seated. They took her on in the ambulance, but doing much better by the time uh, they got there to work with her. What was that? I think that was a gift of faith. Amen. I don't think Brother Bobby Gibson, he's not here tonight to confirm this, but I don't think he just ordinarily walks in McDonald's and jumps over the counter. I've never had to go bail him out, so I'm assuming that that's not a normal thing in his life. But they have a divine, triumphant certainty in their spirit. As a matter of fact, Brother... Bobby was sharing with us just a few weeks ago about praying for a man on their job. There was a divine certainty that came to him. I'm not just trying to highlight one person in the church, but, but just, just something that just touched them in that moment. There was an assurance that we're going to pray, and God did indeed raise that man up and, and healed him, and we're thankful for that. And so it just seems to be a spe- specific and a special kind of faith that engulfs a person for a moment, or just in that moment of need. And so this faith would supersede any kind of faith that we would normally have in our lives. It's supernatural in its manifestation. Then there is the gift of the working of miracles. The gift of the working of miracles is, again, another supernatural intervention just in the ordinary course of the natural or natural day. It doesn't apply just to physical things, but I think it also... Uh, applies to other instances in our lives as well. During the ministry of Jesus, he raised at least three individuals from the dead. We know that according to scripture, Jairus' daughter, the widow's son, and Lazarus. There have been instances where the Lord raised people from the dead outside of scripture. Uh, I was reading about an instance this afternoon that happened in our fellowship in the country of Thailand not all that long ago, where a woman was raised from the dead. And so if we believe the word of God, and we do, amen, then if we believe God could do it then, then we certainly ought to believe that he can do it now. Amen, I, I, I thought we might get a little squirrely on our response there, but God can raise the dead. He can do anything. If he did it then, he can do it now. It's amazing how much we can read and believe the word of God or how much we can believe what happens in Thailand or what happens in Ethiopia and struggle to believe what may happen in our own midst. But God is God. He's God everywhere. We talk about the gifts of healing. Again, another supernatural ministry uh, that brings health to the sick through prayer. To be sure, the person that's exercising this gift does not have the power to heal. There's no healing in my hands or any hands here. There's no healing in the anointing oil that we may place upon you. So God is sovereign, and he knows exactly what's best for every situation and I'm certainly not here to try to explain this uh, for it or explain it away. If it were up to some, they would just walk up and down the hallway of every hospital and empty the place out and shut them down by midnight. But that may not altogether be the will of God. And so even the Lord himself was limited in the miracle working power. Uh, Sometimes it was unbelief. The Bible says in instances, he did not many miracles there because of their unbelief. Now, I don't want to, with that illustration, suggest that just because a person is not healed that they don't have faith. I've heard people say, well, if they just had a little bit more faith. Well, who couldn't have a little bit more and use a little bit more faith? But we can find ourselves in a very frustrating spiritual tailspin if that's what we're going to associate with divine healing are, are not being healed with. I personally am associated, of course, with uh, my wife has struggled with some things for many, many years. And so if you don't think this is a subject that we haven't just hammered out in every conceivable fashion, then you're sadly mistaken. I don't think it's certainly sin in her life or the lack of faith in her life. I don't understand it. We don't have all the answers. But I do know this, that we have we have ourselves collectively prayed for people that have been divinely healed while she remains sick. And if you have an answer for that, I have time to talk to you after church. So we don't understand it. We don't get it always. But we're not gonna let that limit our faith. Amen, I we're not gonna let that limit what God can do in, in our life and in her life. And i I don't. We don't talk about this a lot publicly and for reasons that are probably obvious. But I remember one time we were preaching in a church and a lady it was a brand new convert who knew nothing about the Lord. I'm just speaking in human terms, so just forgive me for being human here for just a moment. And so here's a young lady that knows nothing about the Lord. On the other hand, my wife has known the Lord all of her life. If you know her story, she was just a child from a broken home some families in the church got together and would pick her up and take her to church other people paid for her to go to camp other people bought her meals when people went out to fellowship because they had nothing and I'm not speaking ill of her in her absence I'm just telling you her story that she was a lady that didn't stand a chance to make it in this world but she had a as a child a love for God that just kept her pushing and driving and she is where she when you see her on this platform or you see her on that front pe- pew don't ever doubt in your mind she got there by accident but it was sheer determination and gut desire to serve God all of her life that has brought her to where she is this evening here is a young lady who got the Holy Ghost who knew nothing about the Lord who had lived in sin all of her lives up to this moment and she had the same exact thing that my wife had in their church where we were preaching prayer was prayed and God healed her of lupus on on the spot Kind of leaves you going, huh? What? Amen? I'm being a little bit too real for some. It leaves room for those things in your life. But I'm telling you that God is a healer. Amen. He is a divine healer. And so there are sometimes that God is doing a work that we can't understand. God's doing something larger than what we can see. We can only see with these two eyes and understand with this one mind. But God sees something far further down the road and in a much, much greater context than what we could ever see it. And so we must put our trust and our confidence in him and just sail on, praise God. Sometimes God is working on a much bigger scale. And so seeing uh, we believe certainly that, that there are times when people are healed, that gets the attention of somebody that's lost. Absolutely. Uh, by all means, seeing them, often it convinces people of God's that God's word is true. There's, there's a great manifestation of his power and presence. Amen. All the gifts of the spirit are given to the church, hear me, to bring glory to God and not glory to man. It is to bring insight to the church. It is to bring clarification to the church, it is to bring glory if I can say to the church but not to man, at no time should anybody that is being used in any of the gifts that we're talking about here tonight allow themselves to become the focal point of the glory, it is not you, you're just the vessel through which it flows through and the moment you think it's you God can just step back and let you realize that we are nothing without him nothing without him and so healings are not designed for commercial gain or for personal fame or for any of, any of the above, any of the above. You'll never, you'll never see a sign. You'll never get an invitation to come to your brother Boyd's healing campaign because I don't have a healing campaign. If anybody gets healed, it's gonna be God. If anybody gets the Holy Ghost, it's gonna be God. If there's a word of wisdom, it's gonna be God. If there's a word of knowledge, it's gonna be God. Amen. I'm going a little bit long here tonight, but if you'll just hang in there with me for about five more preacher minutes, we'll be all right. Amen. I believe that the operation of the gifts that we're speaking about here tonight must be blanketed and divinely guided through the spirit of love. In in the study of of the gifts of the spirit, We cannot leave out, in the study of Corinthians 12, we can't leave out Corinthians 13. God inspired this great chapter about love to fall right directly in the the middle of the gifts of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit. Amen. Chapter 13 is the love chapter. It governs these gifts. And so the misuse of spiritual gifts happens when we forget this element. If we exercise these gifts with humility and with love, amen, in the proper spirit, we will get the proper result. But if we exercise these gifts without the spirit of love and try to do this through our own flesh and our own ego, then I promise you the end result will be zero. Love removes self. Love removes showmanship. Love removes pride out of the equation. Amen. Praise God. These gifts are for the unity of the body. The church is the body of Christ on this earth and the gifts should unify the church. Amen. Many gifts have been given to people for uh, their protection that the scripture says that his name might be magnified among the heathen. The church should be edified. The church should be lifted up. Among these gifts are the Holy Ghost and the various ministries of the church and then the nine gifts of the spirit that we are talking about here tonight. Paul carefully instructed believers in Corinth concerning maintaining the proper order, uh, proper dignity in the operation of the gifts of the spirit. And so I think that that's just how it should be, that we, it should be done decently in order. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 to 33 that God is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all churches of the saints. He also instructed in the 14th chapter, let all things be done decently and in order. And so it's vital, this is vital to preserve the unity of the body of Christ. The church is to be edified. These gifts are to lift up, to means to instruct, or to improve, especially in moral or religious knowledge, or to enlighten, or to elevate, or to uplift. And so these gifts are not to tear people down. We've heard sad stories of somebody giving a message in tongues, probably sincerely, and somebody on the other side of the church taking that as a moment to correct somebody that they got an odd against. I would be scared to death. <laughs> Scared beyond the telling to try to in, in, intercept one of those moments and get my point across. Oh God, help us to hear from the Spirit and hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. You've been very kind and patient. Let's stand tonight. Amen. This is your reward for being so kind and patient. I'm gonna get, you're gonna get to go home. My gift to you. My gift to you. Yes. Thank you for not clapping. Amen. (laughs) The gifts of the Spirit are for edification. They are for the perfecting of the church. Amen. We're not at our heavenly reward yet, but we're on our way. Amen. I want to be a church that God can use. Amen. I mean that with my heart. I want to be a church that God can use. And so let's pray now. I know I've thrown a lot your way. Let's just pray and ask God to help us assimilate this word into our heart because if it just bounces off of us and falls by the wayside, it's gonna do no one no good. But if we can kind of pull this into our heart, pull this into our spirit and say, Lord, help me to be led of you, not for my sake, but for yours and for the kingdom's sake. Amen. Lord, I love you tonight. Thank you for helping me. I ask you tonight, God, to let the word, it's your word, not mine. I'm just asking you, God, to let your word Touch the core of every heart that's in this building. I pray that our spiritual nerve endings, God, have somehow been been affected tonight, that we have been stirred in our spirit that we'll take this home and that we will meditate upon your word, these passages of scripture in particular and how they apply to the church in this 21st century. I pray, I pray God, that you'll help us this evening to be used of you as your spirit would lead us and guide us to be strengthened in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You've been very, very kind and attentive tonight. Let's come back Sunday morning expecting great things in the Lord.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the Media Ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.